Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at Finn, and I am joined once again by Martin White, the founder of Tech ID Manager. Martin, how are you? I am doing excellent. Scott, great to be back. Awesome. Great to have you back. So on our last episode, we talked about human-computer interaction and all the ways in which humans uh, tend to bend technology to their will in insecure fashions. That's probably how I would how I would phrase that. And today, we're talking about cybersecurity. And the title that I've been given, I guess that you gave us, is Onions Have Layers, Ogres Have Layers, Cybersecurity Has Layers. Uh, for those of you who don't know that that's a direct Sh- Shrek reference, I was really appreciative that somebody brought that up because I'm a bit of a memer. But um, explain that. Cybersecurity has layers. What does that mean? So like all good defenses, physical defenses, uh, cyber defenses, they have layers. You don't just put up a door with a lock and think that's good because you've got all the walls, all the windows, all the other places. So the most secure facilities have like, have a door with a lock and then they have access controls, they have cameras, and then they have, if there's more protected information, they have separate doors and separate locks. The same thing exists in cybersecurity. You have, you have remote access to a network you can have remote access to a network, but then when you get remotely connected, you're faced with a login prompt, a username and password. You get you enter username and password and you get onto that machine. Well, on that machine that you're doing something, there are other things, other barriers, such as malware products, virus products that are stopping or checking and watching what you're doing. You've already gone through three layers of product to be doing what you need to do, three layers of defense. And that's just to access one machine remotely. There are so many other layers, like even that little um, checkbox. On the web forms, it says, I am not a robot, and the little checkbox. I always question that. I thought it's really ridiculous. Anybody can check a checkbox. Well, what's really behind that is a whole series of code that watches your mouse movement. And if your mouse movement is too straight, too linear, too consistent, that is the indication that you are a program. If your mouse movement is kind of curvy or archy and doesn't go the same speed all the time, that's the indication that you're not a robot when you checked that box. So they, that's a layer have all kinds of layers all over the place. You know, so that's, those are the, the layers of cybersecurity, the layers of, they match layers of physical security. You know, like you have a fence, you have a driveway, you have a guard, you have a guard door, you have a tower, like all these kind of things. Ancient castles had layers of defense. And some, some, sometimes the layers are really good and sometimes they're not. Like uh, I did a contract job in Schaffhausen, Switzerland, and there is a castle in Schaffhausen, Switzerland, that is beautiful. You can give, you can go walk around it, tours of it. It was de- designed, I believe, by Da Vinci and built. And after it was built, they realized, though it had all these turrets, all these angled walls and stuff, there was a path where an entire invading army could walk from out of sight all the way to the door, break through the door and get in the castle without ever being a line of fire of any archer or anybody on any of the walls. So though they had all these layers, they had the wrong layers. That castle has never been used, never been defended, never been attacked because the flaws are just so obvious. And that's the type of layers that you want to avoid. Same things happen in cybersecurity. I've seen people put all kinds of products in place that don't really have any effect. Like they will, uh, or they'll have a hole open. Like uh, I was doing work for a polymer company at one point and they had all these security procedures, policies. They had this machines had all the software on them to protect them. They had all these remote access VPNs. And then there was another computer sitting on the network attached to a machine that had a modem on it that dialed out every day to another computer to gain, to give this other company, this other vendor, full access into the network on this one machine. So they had all this security stuff, but it was just somebody walked right by it every single day and they didn't know it. 
That makes me think of the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> you can literally have a planet-sized uh, weapon that is secured by millions of people. And, well, where's your exhaust port? You yeah. can secure that with thousands of guns and droids and doesn't matter if somebody can get in. It's the size of a womp rat. You know, if you can hit the womp rat, you can hit the exhaust port. You know, yeah, like the, so there are lots of layers. So they give you to have layers and you've got to have layers in, like we talked about last time, the human computer interaction, you have to have a layer there that stops the person. You have to have yeah. other layers that once the person is connected to the computer and you believe they are who they say they are, you have to make sure they're not doing something nefarious. If you just let somebody in and let them trust them to do whatever they want once they're in, you don't have good security layers. Like with email, when somebody sends an email, it's got to go through filtering to yeah. make sure it's safe. But email, bad emails make it through with malicious payloads. And you have to have training for people to realize, hey, maybe this seems wrong. I shouldn't click on this. You know, you bring up a really good point. And one that I try to educate everyone on all the time is um, the only layer I'm, I'm air quoting for those of you who are just listening. The only layer of cybersecurity that often gets incredibly blamed for everything is the people part of it, the human part of it. And I always go through this exercise. It's like, OK, how many pieces of software, how many physical pieces of hardware, how much technology have you bought? Have you charged a client for? Have you put in place whatever you want to say that had to fail for that human to be in a position where they could fail? Like, all right, well, let's run through your example of the payload. You have Microsoft. Okay, Microsoft failed to catch, uh, or if you're using Outlook or 365, Microsoft failed to catch it. Do you have a security mode gateway you're using in, in, in addition to that? All right, well, that just failed to catch it. Did you have settings not properly set up in, in Microsoft or your security gateway where attachments are automatically just passed through? All right, well, your process just failed for setting up that entire uh, uh, human and then uh, for setting up that entire inbox. And then let's say uh, the, the payload was ransomware. Do you have EDR? Do you have monitoring on that device that failed to recognize that it was getting encrypted as it was happening? All right, well, that just failed. So, so like multiple pieces of technology, multiple processes you probably have in place failed first. And then this human who is, as we discussed in our last episode, the most capable of failing because of the way we're biologically wired to uh, uh, fall for deceit and other uh, and a deception. And you're like, uh, it was, who is the human? The human's the thing that failed here. It's like, hold up. It's like, let's go back to the very start of this process where you could probably point at another human. And that's usually what people do. They're like, Oh, well the security tech didn't set this up properly. That's why it failed. It's like, all right, uh, we need to keep talking because, because clearly you haven't learned all of this is the problem. All the layers are the issue, not the individual at the very end of every single other layer of failing. Yeah. And when it's that individual's job to click on an invoice, open it up, check in the invoice system, make sure that that is getting paid. And it says invoice, and this is the 50-second invoice they've done, and it's not even lunchtime yet. It's hard to tell them to pause and check yeah. and read it. With all these other layers they've always trusted all day long have failed, have failed somewhere on them. I'd venture to guess there's a similar corollary here to uh, like legal sentencing, where if you... I remember re I had never went to verify the information, but it made sense to me. It's like if you look at um, all of the court cases that are sentenced right before lunchtime and right after lunchtime, the ones right after lunchtime are much more lenient on average. It's like, well, that makes a lot of sense because if if, if like have as any angry is a thing in today's society for a reason, it's not because it's fake. Yeah, uh, and I imagine it's the same thing in cybersecurity. It's it's four thirty p.m. on a Friday, and you just want to get out of work. It's like. Click, click, click. Sure. Yeah, just we'll pay these invoices on Monday. I don't care. Click, 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 click. And all of a sudden, that's it. Yeah. I used to do industrial automation. Like I'd go to facilities, program robots, speed up industrial 
production lines and stuff like that. And it became such a problem that we started to enforce a policy. No changes the day you leave. So you'd be there for a week. You'd be making changes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're making the robot go faster on Friday. We're not supposed to make changes. You're supposed to just sit there and watch. And if something goes wrong, you can fix it, but you're not supposed to be actively making changes. And we had some people who refused to abide by that. They thought their time was so valuable. They needed to spend every moment making changes. So at 4.59 on Friday, and they're leaving on a five o'clock flight, they are still making changes to robots that have to make production runs. And they walk out the door and the robot stops. And it's like, yeah, not the right day for you to make changes. Like that Monday, Friday, after lunch, before lunch differential, even the car industry, um, uh, there are several reports that say you should only buy a, buy a car built on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. You should not buy one built on Monday or Friday because Monday people have forgotten what they're doing and Friday they're ready to go thinking about something else. Yep. It's the uh, same concept in software development. It's never deployed on a Friday because oh, yeah. you don't know what unintended. <laughs> All of the side effects are always unintended. So you have to pretend that they'll exist in some capacity and you'll, you'll just never know what they are. Yep. We usually try to do deployments on Saturday night because we have Australian clients and Saturday night is the time that most people aren't working and like a few people are coming the next day. If there are problems, we have time to react and fix it. Yeah. Um, a statement a lot of people are used to hearing in the security industry is there's really three parts of security, people, process, and technology. Is anything missing? People, process, and technology. I think that there should be some sort of feedback in each of those things. People need to not just do their job. They need to have feedback into their job. Process needs that feedback into itself. So if you you do a process for a while, you need to have a, a meeting or some approach to look at and say, is this process right? What has happened from it? And then technology is continually changing and it needs feedback also. This technology worked, it didn't work. I've seen lots of software, especially subscri- long-term subscription software that's been put in place and left in place and it just lingers, it rots in place. Software rots just like everything else because nobody's going back to look at it. So people process technologies, anything missing. I think the feedback into those three is what is often missing in their implementations. Yeah. You know? I think uh, one thing that's missing from from that thought process, you know, uh, sorry, from that concept, people process technology is a con- something we talked about on the last podcast that you were on, which is humans will always, technology exists to make our lives easier, right? That's largely why a lot of technology is created because it creates some kind of efficiency and other businesses or other people are willing to pay for that or it gives you... Uh, uh, not happiness, but not and not fulfillment either. But it keeps joy. your attention, joy, yeah, entertainment. Dopamines. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, it gives you give you all the dopamines. And it's like what we should probably think about every time uh, you're creating any security program is how might somebody want to make this easier for themselves, not more secure. Oftentimes, it's much less secure. <laughs> it's like how would somebody want to make this easier? It's like uh, I forget where I read this, but it's like if if a lot of um, a lot of laws got built from the mindset of how are people going to take advantage of this? Not how can we drive the best outcome? How can we limit all the downside? A lot of laws would get made differently and there'd be less, less people and there'd be less abuse of all those laws and all like the, the tax code as well. Yeah. Uh, it's like, if how are people going to abuse us? Let's create a set of laws based upon our thinking there. Yeah. I was involved in a, uh, a legal organization once. I was trying to get some laws passed in South Carolina and the, Leaders there said you should always look at a law with the eyes of how can this be used against me? 
no matter what you thought the outcome should be, whether you thought the law was good or not, how can this be used against me? And if you can figure out a way that the law can't be used against you, or you figure out the negatives of the law, make sure that they don't outweigh the positives. And like that, that evaluation of laws and everything else related to, you know, the policies, how does it go good or how does it go bad? It's like the philosophy class you said you took. They're like so interesting. Like how do people choose to live? The processes, the people and the technology are all outgrowths of what is our goal in life and how do we help achieve that goal? There's sub goals. Like what is our goal at work? Like somebody's goal and accountant's goals, make sure everything gets paid, make sure all the money lines up. You want to do that as efficiently as possible. So they have QuickBooks and other software for that. Like a lot of technology needs to support that. And I think a lot of technology doesn't take the human and the efficiency of the human's job into account, like especially security software, because you can make something so secure it's unusable, but you really need to make it secure and usable so that the process people and technology all work together symbiotically toward the goal. You know, I think that's where a lot of uh, security practitioners and as a result, a lot of this industry gets it wrong is all of this exists from the first question of how can we make our job? How can we do more with less? whether mm-hmm. that's less time, less resources, whatever it is. The second is, all right, now that we're doing more with less, how do we make it secure? But never forget that that first, that first point, that's always in play. It's like, there's a reason why people share passwords. There's a reason why people uh, just generate passwords with their mother's maiden name, the name of their first dog, and a different number at the end. It's because it's convenient, not because it's secure. They're like, I don't care about security. I've never been hacked. All right, I don't care about security. But I have wasted a lot of, a lot of freaking time uh, trying to remember passwords. And I'm not doing that again. It's like people are far more concerned uh, about uh, convenience than they are about security on average. Yep. You need to make the secure way to do it, the efficient and easy way to do it. If you make the secure way the hard way, people are going to work their way around it. But if you make it the easy way, they're going to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if folks wanted to learn more about you uh, or more about Tech ID Manager, where would you suggest they go? They should go to techidmanager.com. It has information has links it has my information up there the i love this little statistic the support phone number if you could dial that support phone number that eventually rings my phone if nobody else answers it so like if you want to talk to me dollar support line sooner or later you'll get to me somebody will answer it awesome uh for those of you listening or watching we'll have links to, to martin and tech id manager in the show notes so you feel free to reach out and ask him all about layered approach to cybersecurity or human computer interaction or the flaw in the Death Star. I don't know. Whatever you'd like to, <laughs> to talk with Martin about, I'm sure he'd love to chat with you. I have lots of things I love to talk about. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Martin. It was a blast chatting with you today. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you on another episode. All right. Thanks for having me, Connor. I loved it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.